Hi, welcome back to the Quarantine Christian. I'm your host, Garrett Jones, and today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 3.16. Now, before I get into the content today, uh, I just want to let you know that if you have any questions or comments, or if you have any prayer requests, there are a few ways that you can connect with me to share those que- to share all of those elements. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at the number one, uh, it's the, the actual number, number one, underscore who, underscore serves. Uh, that's my, my Twitter handle. Or you can connect with me through the Anchor app or anchor.fm slash quarantined Christian. There's a button there that says message. You click on that button and it allows you the opportunity to uh, record a voice message that goes to me. So if you have any questions or comments, I'd love to address those. If you have any prayer requests or praises, I would love to pray with you uh, if that's something that you are needing. So today we're talking about Ephesians 3.16. And uh, as I said in the previous episode, there was this mnemonic device that I used for recalling uh, the placement of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians in their order in the New Testament. And the mnemonic device was God's Electric Power Company. And the reason why I mentioned this uh, before in the previous episode, and I'm mentioning it again now, is because all four of those letters that Paul writes have some incredible theology that really revitalize and empower us as believers in Christ uh, especially when we're hitting points where we might feel like we are hitting a low point in our faith. And for me, it's, you know, it's something that I really, uh, you know, I, I, I really draw from. I, I, I draw encouragement from it. Now, I, it's kind of been funny as I've been watching everything happening with the quarantine and the shelter in place. Uh, one of the things that I've been amazed by has has not been the amount of people hoarding toilet paper and cases of water like they were a month and a half ago. I am actually baffled by the fact that we have some of the lowest gas prices in the last 20 years. I haven't seen gas prices this low in such a long time. It is insane. Um, I remember back in high school, during my junior year of high school, I, I drove a motorcycle. And I, I was a rebel without a clue, but I love the freedom of it because I, I mostly rode it for going to and from school. Uh, if I was going to go meet up with some friends, I, I'd ride it over to their house uh, or I'd go to the mall or something. You know, I had this this freedom to go. It was like having a, it was like having a bicycle, but... <laughs> It, having a little bit more in, kick behind it, it was great. Um, at least until I, I crashed. And I, I made mention about uh, the crash I had on on May 7th. That having been said, um, what's interesting is that when I had that motorcycle, it didn't cost me much in the way of gasoline costs. Uh, I think the most I ever used to fill up the tank was about $5. That was it. $5 flat. Um, I very rarely ran it down below the one quarter tank mark. And so I was able to, I was able to go all over town with on very little gas 
and I had pretty decent gas mileage. Um, it was, it was pretty nice. Um, while I had my limitations with, you know, how I was able to use the bike and, and stuff like that, you know, that, you know, that made sense. I was only on a permit. I didn't have the actual license yet. I wasn't old enough, but it was great because I, you know, it was cheap and, you know, it didn't cost me much. The reason why that stands out to me is because from 9-11 moving forward, gas prices just skyrocketed over the last 20 years. Uh, when I was in high school, gas prices were down below $2. I think the low-grade gas, which is what I used, was like $1.19 or $1.29, something like that, uh, per gallon. And over the course of the last two decades, it just, it just kept going up and up and up. And up until six weeks ago, gas prices were still fairly high, just, just shy of $5, depending on where in California you are from. I know that in parts like the Bay Area or Southern California, uh, there are going to be higher prices just because things are a little bit more expensive there. Uh, but here, uh, we were seeing prices of like almost, almost $5. It's about four seventy nine for premium grade gas. And the car that I currently drive, which is a, an Audi SUV. I've had this for almost a year. This car requires premium grade gas. Um, premium grade gas is the most expensive, obviously, but, and I, I filled up at Costco back in, I borrowed my wife's card. I filled up at Costco in mid-March when this whole thing was going into place and didn't cost me that much. Uh, it cost me just about 65, $75, I think. I mean, that's comparatively, that's not that expensive. It's expensive for 20 years ago, not so much with the way that prices have been. I filled up this last Wednesday and I spent less than $50, which was incredible. I haven't spent less than $50 for a tank of gas on this car in a year when it comes to a full, complete fill-up. And I haven't, it's, it's just been weird to see how these prices have just, have, have dropped um, and like my wife goes and fills up her car every week at Costco, like clockwork every Saturday. And I kid you not, she was telling me about how gas prices are under $2 again. Now, when I went to go fill up at, at Chevron on Wednesday, the price that I was paying per gallon was two sixty nine or something like that. So it's still less than $3, but it's definitely not where it was six weeks ago. And it just got me thinking about, you know, the kind of resources that we live in a day and age where, where we are preoccupied with the state of our natural and processed resources. And it's, it's a little scary. We've got companies out there who are, who are, uh, trying to make 
wind farming and solar farming as profitable and as inexpensive as possible while developing the technology. We are seeing companies that are trying to go as green as possible, but we're still seeing that coal and natural gas and uh, nuclear energy are still some of the more inexpensive options that are out there. And, and I'm not getting onto any kind of environmentalist shtick here. I'm just commenting on some of the you know curiosities that I'm seeing in the world these days. But while some of these power sources are more or less infinite, just regulated, going back to the look at, at gasoline, gasoline is a consumable resource. When I put gas in my car, I only have X amount of miles before I have to fill up again. Uh, specifically, when I put gas in my car last Wednesday, I it, it when I topped it off, it said that I had 425 miles to go I could drive 425 miles before my uh, car needed to be filled up again, before it was running on empty. Now, I don't know just how accurate the sensor is inside my fuel tank. Uh, And the reason for that is because between last Wednesday and yesterday, which was Mother's Day at, at the time of this recording, I had driven 40 miles. And it wasn't until yesterday when I hit that 40-mile marker that I lost five miles off of that for, that initial 425. So in the, those few days, I was still at 425. And after 40 miles, then it dropped down. So I had something like 35 miles, actually, to really kind of play with before the sensor indicated that there was any loss of fuel. Now, if I go out to my car and I start it up to go drive somewhere, anywhere, whether it's a mile down the road, like, you know, like it is to go to my parents' house, or if it's, uh, you know, a couple miles to go to the grocery store or something like that, it's going to immediately knock off another five miles off of that rate. In fact, when I went to go fill up my car last week, I found that uh, of the 425 miles that I was capable of driving after that fill up back in March, I only went 285 miles, which is, it's kind of, it, it's a loss. I actually lost mileage because I wasn't driving on the highway. I was driving, you know, in, in town, but still going a, an, a month and a half without having to fill up your gas tank. That's still pretty awesome. I think. But that's just because I'm not doing as much driving as I normally would be doing uh, if I were uh, working as a substitute teacher at the moment. Um, so, but that that kind of, that word picture, that example, plays into what we're looking at with Ephesians chapter three, verse sixteen. Uh, Paul's writing to the Ephesian church, and he says this: "I pray from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you." with inner strength through his spirit. Now, the, the pronoun he and his, uh, Paul is talking specifically about God. Um, and he's, he's talking about how the Holy Spirit is, an, uh, is part of that unlimited resource. It's, it's unlimited power. 
that most of the time, a lot of people, including Christians, failed to tap into. Now, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of backstory on the book of Ephesians. I really recommend that you read it for yourself. It's actually a short book. Uh, It's only six chapters. But like I said, there's a lot of stuff that goes in here that, that is incredibly encouraging, incredibly empowering, and uh, I recommend that you read it for yourself. Now, the Ephesians were actually a rather spiritually strong body of believers. This is one of the rare instances where Paul is like, hey, you guys are doing great. You guys are doing great. But let me just encourage you anyway because I want to see how well you succeed in your faith. Because even the strongest of faiths need support and reinforcement. We can't, we can't just do it on our own. See, with regards to this passage, by this point in Paul's writing, the author is praying that his audience will develop more spiritual growth. He doesn't want them to stagnate. He knows that they're doing well faith-wise. He knows that they have remained faithful to Christ, that they are living as Christ would have them live, and they're doing everything right. He knows this, but he doesn't want them to become stagnant in that. He doesn't, he doesn't want them to just rest on their laurels and think that everything's going to be okay. He wants them to continue spiritual growth. Now, this isn't about uh, progressing through some hierarchy of leadership or anything like that. This is just simply growing in your faith, growing deep in a, into a deeper relationship with God through Christ. Spiritual growth happens in a number of ways, but the, and and I talked about this in my shoebox episode, uh, several episodes back. So if you get a chance, listen to that because there's so many things that we need to get rid of to have deeper and bigger, deeper and better spiritual growth. But the most effective way to see spiritual growth in our lives is recognizing God's sovereignty and letting him be the one in control. See, one of the biggest issues that we have as Christians, especially in the modern Western sense, is that we think it's all on us. We hear the Great Commission to go into the world and, and preach the gospel, but then we believe it's our responsibility to go and save people. We believe it's our responsibility to make sure that they accept Christ. That's not our job. Our job is to expose them to the gospel. If they make the choice to follow Christ, it's our job then to follow up with them and to guide and mentor them. But it's not our job to save them. That's Christ's job. All right? Because if we think it's our job, then what we're doing is we're actually kicking God off the throne of our hearts And we're taking that place of importance, and it's all about us. It becomes about us, not about God. So when we recognize that God is sovereign, that he should be the one in control, uh, we experience spiritual growth. Spiritual growth comes by recognizing that we are powerless to eradicate sin in our lives. And when we recognize that, what that does is it creates an opening It creates this open door where the Holy Spirit can permeate into our hearts and begin that transformative process that God wants to initiate within each of us. 
When we try to do it under our own power, it is exhausting. We have no power to save ourselves. It's like failing to put gas in my car. It's not going to run. I can turn that key as much as I want. And yeah, the ignition's clicking and, and the power and the battery are there trying to give a spark, but there's nothing to give the spark to because there's nothing filling the tank. There's nothing flowing into the engine. I can throw it into neutral and I can, I can push the car down the road, but I'm not going to be getting anywhere very fast. I'm not going to be getting anywhere at all because at some point... I'm going to tire out. My body has a finite amount of energy and it's going to give up. It's going to need to rest. The Holy Spirit doesn't have that limitation. The Holy Spirit isn't held back or hindered from working because it runs out of energy. It never runs out of energy. It is perpetual energy. It's an unlimited resource. According to this morning's verse, according to today's verse, when we give our lives over to Christ and we allow Him to transform us from the inside out, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the strength that we need to experience that transformation. More than that, when we rely on ourselves only, our resources fall short because they are just as limited as humanity is. We don't see things from an, inter- from an eternal perspective. We see things from a limited temporal perspective. But God is eternal. God is unlimited. His resources, according to this passage, are unlimited. There is no end to the help that one can find in the shadow of the Lord's wing. The biggest moments of faithlessness and and doubt in my own life have come about because I was trying to do it under my own power. Those moments of failing spiritually came because I wasn't plugged in to an unlimited resource. I wasn't tapping in to what God willingly provides me. And so because I wasn't tapping into that, it left me feeling... left me feeling broken. It left me feeling weak and powerless. I want to encourage you that if you're feeling like all your spiritual endeavors are headed uphill, remember this. We find strength and spiritual growth in Christ alone. That doesn't mean that we are doing this by ourselves. The church, the big C church, the body of Christ, is meant to be in communion with one another. We are meant to connect with one another and engage with one another, to do life with one another. 
So if you are in need of prayer, if there's a praise that you'd like to share with me, uh, if there's questions or comments that you have that you'd like to have addressed, you can connect with me on Twitter at one underscore who underscore serves, or you can connect with me through the Anchor app or on the podcast website, anchor.fm slash quarantined Christian, where you can send me a voice message uh, with your questions, comments, or prayer requests. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to address uh, whatever you have to say. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, So if that's something that you need, by all means, connect with me, and uh, let's get going. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you give us. We thank you for the unlimited power and resources that you so graciously and willingly provide to us. Lord, I pray that as we go about our daily lives, that you keep us refreshed and encouraged by your Spirit. We pray that with the exhausting experiences that we're having with the shelter in place and the quarantine, Lord, that uh, you work in this situation, bring about healing and common sense, and that we are able to go back to a more productive new normal, one that isn't grounded in fear. We lift all these things to you in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening.